You're listening to the FC Young Adult Podcast. Hey everyone, hope you're doing fantastic this week. Welcome back into the Young Adult Podcast. We are in part five, which is the final part of our series, Until I Breathe My Last, where we've been looking uh, for about the last month into the book of Second Peter, this letter written to the early church um, that is scattered throughout the empire. Last week, we took a step back, and Jordan Steingraber covered all of chapter two. Um, He read it in its entirety. If you missed that, you can check it out on the podcast. It was a great message, a hard chapter uh, to cover, and Jordan did a fantastic job doing that. And two weeks ago, we covered the first part of chapter three, and uh, one of the things that I said at the beginning of this series was that the goal was to touch every single verse in the book of 2 Peter and this week we're going to complete that goal. We're going to wrap up the series by wrapping up the book of Second Peter in the back half of chapter 3. So we will have read every single verse in the uh, letter of Second Peter. would still encourage you to go back and read it for yourself. There's a ton uh, to garner from this incredible letter. So where we're going to start this week is Second Peter chapter 3, verse 10. It says this, it says, But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. On that day the heavens will pass away in a loud noise, with a loud noise. The elements will burn and be dissolved, and the earth and the works on it will be disclosed. We talked about this two weeks ago, uh, but Peter is intentionally addressing the second coming of Christ. The early church was eagerly anticipating Jesus coming back and setting all things right, bringing a new heaven and a new earth, just like we are eagerly anticipating the same thing today. Uh, But one of the things that Peter's doing in this moment is he's encouraging patience. And he's using this clarifying statement that we need to receive. He's saying that the day of the Lord will come like a thief. Or some translations would say the day of the Lord is going to come in the night. And what Peter is simply saying is that we really have no idea when Jesus will return. We can think that there's signs and we can think that all of these things are aligning and the stars in a specific way. And if you look at numbers and all the different things. Um, But we don't know. Scripture makes it really clear that nobody knows the day or the hour. Um, And what Peter is also saying is that everything that we know about the earth will be completely removed. He uses words like dissolved and disclosed, meaning everything's going to be wiped away. What we know will be no more, and what Jesus has intended will become reality. What humanity will have known up to this point will be wiped away, and what we can do is that we can guess all we want about the timing. We can guess all we want about what it's going to look like, but at the end of the day, it's just that. It's a guess. And Peter wants to just really, really focus in on what is most important. So what I want to do is continue in verses 11 and 12, and then we'll start pulling out some specific points. Uh, Verses 11 and 12 says this, Since all these things are to be dissolved in this way, it is clear what sort of people you should be in holy conduct and godliness as you wait for the day of God and hasten its coming. As you wait for the day of God and hasten its coming, because of that day, the heavens will be dissolved and fire and elements will be will melt with heat. So Peter, again, doubles down on the finality of the day of the Lord. When it happens, we will know that it happened. It's not like the day of the Lord is going to come and we're going to be like, was that it? Like, we're going to know when Jesus is back. But here's the, here's the point that Peter's trying to make as he's speaking to the early church. Focus on the what not on the when. Peter's saying, listen, the truth is that the world is going to be in for a reckoning. There's no question about that. But don't get obsessed about when it's going to happen. Focus on what you are going to do and who you are going to be in the meantime. 
He says, it is clear what sort of people you should be in holy conduct and godliness as you wait for that day that is going to come in the future. He said, I think we have a habit as human beings to get caught up in the what is to come. The danger of that is that it often causes us to miss the present, that we're not obedient in the moment and then we cannot then be obedient in the future. We have to make small obedient steps of obedience now so that we can make small steps of obedience tomorrow and the next day and the next day and the next day. So that when the Lord comes, we will be prepared in godliness and holy conduct. My son, uh, Maddox, is 10. And uh, I'm the luckiest dad in the world. I have the best son ever. Um, but we were very, very different for the first I would say nine years of his life, but definitely like even up to his 10th birthday, I love sports. I love sports too much. And if there's a winner and a loser, I'm all in. I've talked about that several times. And uh, I love the NFL. And Maddox this year has gotten super into the NFL. And I was fine with my kid just being like, hey, a bookworm and like into art and Minecraft and all the, the that type of stuff. Um but he, this year he's like, oh, he's like full in and I'm super pumped about it. He played basketball for the first time uh, for school. He is wanting to play football now. And so like there's a part of this dad who's just very, very excited about getting to do that. And one of the things that we've gotten to do now is like we got him a football. We've been throwing it and I've been teaching him routes. And um, the other day we were running a route and it was a new one and he was really excited to learn it. And I threw the ball and it hit him right in the hands and he turned his head and then he dropped the ball before he could even start running up the field. And one of the things that I asked him, and if you've played football, you, you know what happened in this moment. I said, what's going on, man? It hit you in the hands. Why'd you drop it? And he goes, oh, I just was thinking about running into the end zone before I actually had caught the ball. And this is a really silly example, but I think that this is exactly what we do on a regular basis as human beings, trying to be faithful to who God is calling us to be. We see the end zone, or we see this, this goal that we have to get to, and God's like, here's, here's the ball. And we drop the ball because we're so focused on getting to the next place that we don't actually secure what God is asking us to do in the moment. We need to be people who make sure that we just do the little things so that we can then accomplish the big things, whatever, whether that's in our vocation, in our relationships, in our spiritual walk, whatever it may be. We need to be people who do the little things so that we can get to the goal that we actually want to get to. This is a really simple story, but it points to a greater point. We cannot get so caught up in what's going to happen in the future that we lose clarity on what God is calling us to be right now. We cannot get so caught up on what is going to happen in the future that we lose clarity on who God is calling us to be right now. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't strive to become more in the future, but we cannot do that without making good decisions today. We won't go back over the entire letter, but remember that the chapter one gives encouragement on what to pursue, to become people of God. And then chapter two, like Jordan talked about last week, is things to avoid, people to avoid, teachers to avoid, all these different things. What it communicates is that Peter cares deeply deeply that the church, us included, prepares well for whenever Jesus comes back. He's trying to set out a blueprint of this is what you should do. This is what you shouldn't do to commit yourself to holiness and godliness and a conduct that glorifies the Lord while you are waiting for the day that is absolutely to come. The next point is this, waiting and hastening. Waiting and hastening. It says, as you wait for the day of God and hasten, it's coming. We get the opportunity to simultaneously display patience with the timing of God, but we also get to be part of the hastening. 
Matthew chapter 24, verse 14. It's the end of this, this communication from the Apostle Matthew in, in chapter 14 to the church. And he says this, this is the good news of the kingdom. And it's going to be proclaimed in all the world as a testimony to all nations. And there's a comma, and then there are five words. Then the end will come. Then the end will come. So when all people know the good news of the kingdom of God, the end will come. See, our role is to be a part of the family of believers that make sure that every ear has heard the message of Jesus. That means that in our immediate circles of influence, we get to be influential. In, in To the ends of the earth, we get to be influential. Our, our process or our purpose isn't to just stamp our ticket to heaven. It's to make sure that all people know the good news of the kingdom of God, the gospel of Jesus. There's these two words, patience and progress. And sometimes I think these two words are often seen as opposites. One often seen as being still, and the other often is seen as like a progressive move forward. But if we're truly wanting to make an impact on the world for the kingdom of God, we should be in pursuit of patient progress. Those aren't opposites. In fact, they can be included together. Patient progress is what we are in pursuit of. That means we are submitted to the timing of God and submitted to the call to go and be the hands and the feet and the mouthpiece of Jesus. That doesn't just apply to the second coming of Christ either. That applies to every area of our lives. If we submit to God's timing in our own lives, we focus less on when things will come to fruition and focus more on loving others towards Jesus. We get to be people who are submitted to God's timing so much so that we surrender our wants and desires and say, how do I love other people into submission of Jesus, understanding that his timing trumps my timing. His will takes precedent over my will. It's so important that we do that. Peter goes on to say this in verse 13. He says, but based on his promise, we wait for new heavens and a new earth where righteousness dwells. So this is the good news of the kingdom of God. Right? This is the good news of the kingdom of God. It's based on his promise. All of this is anchored to the promise that he has made. We get to have holy anticipation of what is to come because of Jesus and because of Jesus alone. Next, Peter concludes uh, this letter with, with some parting wisdom. So we're going to look at the last four verses. First, I want to just look at one. It's verse 14, and it says this. Therefore, dear friends, while you wait for these things, make every effort to be found without spot or blemish in his sight at peace. So the next point is this. Make the effort. Quickly, let's touch on the fact that this is a reminder that we are not passively waiting for these things. We are actively working towards becoming more like Jesus. We are agents of change in our own lives and the lives of other people. It is not possible to effort our way into heaven. Let me say that again. It is not possible for you or I to effort our way into heaven. We will not do that. It is by grace and grace alone. But it is possible to passively miss opportunities. We aren't going to to effort our way into heaven, but we are passively going to miss opportunities to usher others into the presence of Jesus. We're going to miss opportunities to love people well, to see people, to help people, to serve people. We can passively miss opportunities. So what Paul, what, excuse me, what Peter is saying is we need to make every effort to be the people that God has called us to be. And that means that we cannot be passive. Secondly, it's important to point out that he says that we are not actively trying to be without blemish in the eyes of others, but we are actively participating to not have blemish in the eyes of the only ones that only one that matters, and that's Jesus. Our aim is not to appease those around us, but he who created us. 
if we do that, if we become people who are who God has called us to be, we will naturally become the people that others need us to be. So, so often, there's there's so many of us, myself included, I'm a people pleaser and I want to be all things to all people and I want to make my kids happy, my wife happy, my friends happy, those who are in the ministry that I get to be a part of happy, uh, my boss happy, like all of those different things. But here's the thing. I cannot be all things to all people. What I can be is faithful to who God has called me to be. And if I can do that diligently and with intention, I will be a better dad. I will be a better husband. I will be a better employee. I'll be a better friend. I'll be a better pastor. All of those things. Our aim just needs to be who Jesus has called us to be, not what the world has called us to be. So we're not trying to be without blemish or, or try to be pretty or, or engaging in the eyes of the world, but just in the eyes of the Lord. This is really important because we can waste our precious time trying to prove ourselves to the watching world when really we only need to serve an audience of one. And that, that can be some kind of cheesy phrase. But if we had that mindset, I serve an audience of one. Man, it changes everything. Verse 15 goes on to say this. Also, regard the patience of the Lord as salvation, just as our dear brother Paul has written to you according to the wisdom wisdom given to him. So this is the next point. Don't neglect the patience of God. Do not neglect the patience of God. We need to understand a fundamental truth that God wants all people, all people to come to a place of repentance and submission and surrender so that they can receive forgiveness and grace and love and ultimately eternal life with him. All people, all people, God wants all people, the people that you like, the people that you don't, God's, God's desire is for everyone to surrender their lives, to repent, to submit to him. Now, all people, unfortunately, will not make that decision. But God is patient. And we do not need to neglect the patience of God or get angry at the patience of God. God has patiently allowed those of us who believe in him already to be refined, to be restored, to be challenged, to be grown. He has had patience with us. And God is patiently allowing people who don't follow him yet time to discover that he is the way, the truth, and the life. We do not neglect the patience of God. Those of us who follow Jesus get to live in this tension of desperately wanting Jesus to come back and make all things new right now. We want Jesus to come back right now because we know that it's going to be better than anything we could have asked for or imagine. But simultaneously, there's a part of us that, that want him to always give us a little bit more time. Time to bring more people to to him. Time to love people better. Opportunities to usher others into the presence of Jesus so that he can save them and we can participate in making heaven even more crowded than it's already going to be. So we get to people who get to live in the middle of the tension that would say, Jesus, come back now and also wait one more day. Because there's someone that I love who doesn't know you yet. So don't come back yet while also yearning to be with him in heaven for all of eternity. Peter wraps up with verses 16 through 18. He says this, he says, he speaks about these things in all of his letters, talking about Paul. There are some things hard to understand in them. The untaught and unstable will twist them to their own desires, to their own destruction as they also do with the rest of the scriptures. Therefore, dear friends, since you know this in advance, be on your guard so that you are not led away by the error of lawless people and fall from your own stable position, but grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory, both now 
and to the day of eternity. So Peter wraps up with this, an acknowledgement, a warning, and a challenge. An acknowledgement, a warning, and a challenge. The acknowledgement is that not everything is easy to understand. He specifically talks about Paul's letters, but I'm sure he would probably say the same thing about his himself. You're not going to understand everything. And I cannot tell you how much I love that this acknowledgement is in the letter. It is permission to say like, huh? What? I don't, I don't, I'm not grasping this fully. I need more time to understand this. This is Peter giving us the permission to not understand all things about all things. That is okay. We can still remain faithful in the midst of our questions, in the midst of our unclarity. We can still be faithful to Jesus in the midst of the things that we don't know. However, he follows it up with a warning saying not to fall prey to false teachers. Jordan talked about this all of last week. This is a huge part of what chapter two is all about. A warning to not fall prey to false teachers. We are allowed to not understand things, but that does not mean that we have to believe every single thing that every other random person says. We need to be discerning about who we allow to speak into our lives. The question is not how dynamic or engaging a communicator is. It's how much they are attuned to the will of God, how much they are attuned to the scripture of the Lord, the word of God. Are they trustworthy? Do they care about you? And are they actually spending time seeking God's will, seeking his voice, looking at scripture, not just twisting things to, to fill their own ego or whatever it may be? And that does not just have, have to do with public communicators. That's anybody. Do, have, have people earned a seat at your table? Do you trust them to speak into your lives? And are you doing the hard, intentional work of earning other people's trust so that you can speak into their lives? Because boy, if you're going to say scripture says, or if you're going to say the Lord is saying this, or you're going to say anything like that, you better be attuned to what scripture and what Jesus is actually saying, not just trying to serve yourself. So it's a warning from him. Don't let people twist it. Focus on Jesus. Focus on the people who love Jesus and that who you trust what they're saying. So we have an acknowledgement, a warning, and then a challenge. And the challenge is to grow. And he says two things. He says, I want to challenge you to grow in grace. We all need a little bit more grace in our lives. We need to have grace with ourselves and with others, and we need to do the hard work of being grace-filled people. So even in the midst of navigating and discerning who you're going to allow to speak in your life, have grace for people. Don't just write people off the second they say something you don't agree with, or if they maybe have like a bad theological take. That doesn't mean you're just like you're out. Screw you, guy. Like you're 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 you don't get any part in my life anymore. Like have grace for people. Have grace for their position. Try to understand how they got to where they get. Engage. Have nuanced conversations. Grace is so important with others and with yourselves. Do you know how many times I've looked at myself and been like, I can't believe that I used to think that. I can't believe I used to speak that way. I can't believe I used to think that way. Have grace for yourself. Have grace for others. And he says, a challenge to grow in knowledge. We absolutely, like we said before, we don't need to know all things about all things, but we do need to know some things about many things. If we want to be effective followers of Jesus, we have to do the hard work of actually learning and growing our knowledge. We cannot know as much tomorrow as we know today, and we definitely can't know as much 10 years from now that we know today. We want to be growing in grace, but we want to be growing in knowledge and wisdom. We will never arrive, but we can absolutely grow. And if we want to be the light that Jesus has called us to be, we have to be people who are committed to growth. And as Peter says, it's all for him. To him be the glory from this day until the last day. 
Thank you for listening to the FC Young Adult Podcast. If you are in the Billings area, we would love to see you at our in-person gatherings on Tuesday nights at 7 p.m. If you're unable to attend in person, there are always ways to engage online. Follow along through Instagram at faithchapel.ya or find our ministry page at faithchapel.cc. You are loved.